So this morning, we're going to take a look at what it means to be a community of believers. But before we get into that particular narrative, I want us to take a quick quick look at what we were doing last weekend. So last, week went, last weekend, we took a team to Port Charlotte and Punta Gorda, Florida. Punta Gorda. Punta Gorda, Florida. And that was a place where I've, I've mentioned before that um, my wife, she grew up there. We have some deep personal connections there. There was a time in my life uh, where I was not in vocational ministry, but I was training lay people in ministry, and I was helping at the church that we came to serve at First Baptist Punta Gorda under Pastor Bill Frank. And it's amazing how God works these kinds of situations out where in his sovereignty, he knew ahead of time that we would be situated to help them in their time of need. And as I was talking with Pastor Bill in preparation for this trip, I realized that my story was involved a little more heavily in this church than I actually thought. Because you see, in the, during this time of ministry where I was not um, being paid to do being paid to pastor, where I was just training ministers, there was a lady, and her name was Michelle. And you see, Michelle had been the, the children's minister at First Baptist for a while. She'd been faithful to be the VBS director, as well as church secretary. I mean, this lady was doing everything, and it reminds us of our Miss Jen. She took a lot on her shoulders because she cared for the church. Well, her husband, four years ago, as I understand it, he was very, very sick. And she had to take some time off from ministry and some time off from church just because taking care of him had to become her full-time job. And it was then that God took me out of vocational paid ministry and into the life of this church, and I had never met this woman before. In fact, I had not even met her till last weekend. During this time, I took on her role at the church to kickstart their children's ministry, to lead their VBS ministry during her absence. And I had no idea. Like, I, I, I had heard her name, but I didn't know the story. I didn't know how God was using me in this way. And I was faithful to do it, and, and, and God did a good job. That was a great summer. It was a great preparation for me to be here. That's what I was doing immediately before we came here three and a half years ago. Well, as I'm talking with Pastor Bill, and, and he's telling me all the things that are going on, he tells me about Michelle, about how her husband died August 1st. And when the hurricane passed through, Weeks after her husband's death, her house was basically destroyed. I mean, the structure is still there, but the roof is no good. And we went thinking we might be able to help her uh, immediately. We were really hoping that we could get her some more um, permanent fixes, but unfortunately, there were entire trusses missing out of her roof. And obviously, her husband has just died in this house. The hurricane, she rode out the hurricane, as far as I'm aware, in this house. She does not want to live in this house anymore. She needs it to be gone, but she can't get rid of it until it's fixed. 
so it's sellable. So we went and we took a look at it. We can't fix the trusses. We need an engineer to fix this. We need roofers. Uh, so we just cleared out the debris out of her yard and her back porch as best we could. We encouraged her. A g- group of us uh, tarped the roof and tried to dry it in some, and some of it had already been done. And the day after we left, and she was more encouragement to me, I think, than we were to her, but the day after we left, if you've been in South Florida, you know that there are afternoon showers every day at 4 o'clock. And so the part of her roof that we thought was good, the part of her roof that we didn't touch, caved in the day after we came home. And it, more water damage, unrelated to the storm, more complications for the insurance company to try and figure out. But God, I, I watched Corey's sermon last week, and he, he really stayed on that a while. But God, see, God in his sovereignty, right, he's so good. He sent roofers and engineers to First Baptist Punta Gorda the day after that. And she has more people in place to continue to help her, which is great. But this lady has a long road to go before she can find her ordinary world again, before things get back to normal. And more than just joining her in prayer as a church, as far as I'm aware, Pastor Corey is still planning to do the love offering That's going to be next Sunday, as far as I'm aware. And we're going to focus this money through the church, through Pastor Bill, mostly towards Michelle. So that Michelle has what she needs to get back on her feet again. She's in her early 40s, as far as I'm aware. She's got much more life to live, and we can help her get to where she needs to go. We can be a blessing to her. And this morning, as as we look at the scriptures, I want to talk about community. I want to talk about how as a church that we come together and how we are supposed to act with each other. And as a church, what we're supposed to be doing. And a lot of these things, like these verses that I've thrown up here, I mean, these are things that, at least for me, like I memorized them as a kid. we, We have these verses and these slogans posted all over our churches. But sometimes they become so familiar to us that they, we miss their meaning. For me, I am naturally a very shy individual, at least at first. I get apprehensive in social situations, being around new people, being in new environments. It makes me nervous. Add on top of that, um, we have been hurt a lot by Christians. I mean, we've been hurt a lot in general. I think everyone in this room has. But Christians, I mean, church hurt. And maybe some of you in this room can identify with that. Where believers, the people that you trust, your brothers and sisters, betray you in ways that you didn't expect. How do you work through that? Maybe you've been in the same situation. Maybe you're like me, where you're socially uh, awkward sometimes and insecure. You know, maybe you've had hurts in your life and you're afraid to get close to people because you're afraid what might happen if you allow yourself to actually have Christian brothers and sisters more than just in name only. But real family. When I got here, one of the most attractive parts of our church to me 
I was given t-shirts that said, one big family. And to me, I'm like, that's what I've been missing. I've been a Christian for a long time. I've been called Brother Cameron for a long time. But until I got here, right, in my adult life, I didn't experience that. Because once I moved out of home, once I moved away from my home church, there was no mint brother Cameron. You were just a face. And maybe you can identify with that this morning. We're going to look at three passages. Up there, I've only got two. God laid another one on my heart during the night. We're going to look at three passages in which Jesus gives his disciples his new command, this groundbreaking thing that he wants us all to realize, right? And, and here it is. It's groundbreaking. A new command I give you, love one another. And he clarifies it. And as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Let's pray this morning. Dear God, thank you for your word that doesn't fail us. Please use this word to change our lives, and use us to change the lives of others. We just want to bless your name. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. As, so then he clarifies it. He says, as I have loved you. Well, how did Jesus love? A lot of times we'll see this verse and we'll breeze right by it. And we're like, oh, well, Jesus gave his life, right? He sacrificed his life on a cross for us, and that's what he did. That's what that means. Jesus did a lot more than that. I mean, that is the key part of our faith. Yes, Jesus died on a cross, and he gained back to our sins. Like Corey said last week, that is the gospel we preach. But if we are going to be loving like Jesus, we've got to look at Jesus' whole life. This is a man who went around and he befriended the people that nobody else wanted to be friends with. He took, and took as his friends the outcasts and the sinners in society. He took in the people that even those who were sinners didn't want to associate with that are the tax collectors. Have you ever noticed when you look at the scripture, it always says sinners and tax collectors? Because they were in their own special category. They were at the bottom. You could be a sinner, but at least I'm not a tax collector. We still don't like the tax man, though, do we? And yet Jesus befriended these people. One of them even wrote the first gospel that we have in the New Testament. That is a big deal. That's the kind of person that Jesus was. You must love as I have loved you. This was a Jesus that spoke the truth to people in a way that they could consistently understand. He got deeply involved in their lives. And yet he says, what I do, you've got to do it. You've got to get deeply involved in each other's lives and deeply involved in the lives of the community. Watch what I do so that you do it. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. If you love one another. So he says, start with each other first and work your way out. Start with each other first and then work your way out. He says, as a new command. See, back then, this was groundbreaking. 
No one had ever said this before. To the people he was talking to, the Jewish people, they had their laws, 613. And they had to follow every single one of these laws. He said, my new command, my new covenant, you just got to love each other. This was one of the last things that Jesus told his disciples before he was betrayed and carried to the cross. It's, it's a concluding statement almost. If you remember nothing else, you need to remember this. Love each other. That's community. That's what real community is about. Matthew 22 shows us another statement that happened just the day before Jesus said, love one another to his 12 disciples. He was being challenged by a lawyer. And this lawyer thought he was going to trip Jesus up. So he asked Jesus, all right, Jesus, teacher, what's the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love God, love people. If you have been around Jonesville for a while, or if you're new, stick around long enough, you'll notice it. Love God, love people is on a lot of things that we put out. That is our mission statement here. If one big family might be our slogan or our motto, love God, love people is our mission. Is what we do, it's what guides everything that we do here. And Jesus is not saying that love your neighbor is second to loving God. It's the second greatest. They're both greatest. In fact, he turns it into all one statement. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. And he qualifies that in another gospel by going into the Good Samaritan. And he defies everyone's expectations of what it means to love a neighbor. Jesus says it doesn't matter what gender they are or what they look like, where they come from, everyone is your neighbor. And to us today, especially those of us who grew up around this story, it's not groundbreaking. Maybe for some of us, if we look inward, it's hard to do. But it's not news to us, but to the Jews back then... To the culture back then, everyone was horribly racist to everyone. That was just life. That was normal. And for Jesus to say, you've got to love everybody, even your enemies, even pray for your enemies, that was big, a big deal. So Jesus, in this way, he's modeling for us through his words and through his actions what it means to live in proper community with each other and that's to extend love to each other and that doesn't just mean good deeds that also means time spent at Jonesville Baptist Church we have a model here that's built on time spent together in community and we have groups that are available for everyone. But before we get into that, I've got one more verse. This is the verse that God laid on my heart last night. Because just as t- Jesus taught this principle to his disciples privately, and he preached this publicly to his enemies, he prayed this to God. And he said, my prayer is not for them alone. 
I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, the message of the disciples, that all of them, this is us, may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them, even as you have loved me. Jesus' prayer, as he's surrendering his life to the cross, before he is betrayed and carried off, was just that we would be one in community together. Complete unity. And it just doesn't mean that we disagree. It's that we know how to disagree, how to make our way out of conflict and still be whole. That we can love each other the way that Jesus modeled for us. So here's what I want to impart to you this morning. Being one big family requires intentionality. As I was saying, here at Jonesville Baptist Church, we have a model, we have a structure in place that will bring us closer together. The main way that most people get connected with our church is right here doing what we're doing right now, and that's our 1015 service, which is awesome. It's a chance for us to just come together and to worship and be in the Lord's presence and be together. But my encouragement then is that at Jonesville Baptist Church, the connections really happen on a deeper level, both with God and with people, love God, love people, in our Sunday morning groups and in our Wednesday night groups. And these are our chances to actually build real, personal, deep relationships with each other. We become more than just the person we see once or twice a week, but we become involved in each other's lives. Living this Christian life requires that we care for each other on a deep level, and it's hard to care for somebody that you barely know in a real way. I mean, you can say, well, I care for you. You can say, I'll pray for you. But do you know them? Are you in their life? Or are they just somebody you see a couple hours a week? One of the most encouraging things that I've seen this week out of our community here is uh, Joel Kopik. He uh, had a need. He, his truck, he's got to replace his entire engine. Right? $11,000. That man needed a ride. And we had three or four people step up to offer their vehicles to him. That's great. That's caring. And, and who eventually stepped in the gap? Well, it was Miss um, Nima. Nima. That's, that's awesome. What do you notice about that relationship, though? Neva and Joel are close. They spend time together. They care about each other. It should be obvious to us. 
That's how it works in all of our relationships. We expect the people we're closest to to care for us. But if God has been forming Jonesville Baptist Church into a one big family, which that is our goal, then everyone here has a role to play in the family. And one of the best ways, a way that our church has just naturally gravitated to, most churches have a version of this, is we have groups where we just get together and we spend time together. And each group is a little bit different. We have a time to share with each other what's going on in our lives. We have a time to get into the Word together and ask questions. On Wednesday nights, we have dinner that's absolutely free. It's available to you just so that we can get together and have fellowship. And you might think, well, I'm so glad that we have that, but what, what big deal is it? In a culture that preaches isolation and fake fellowship, that's a big deal. And so as a church, we can't have fake fellowship. We can't have no fellowship. We have to have the real thing. And we could spend time on our own and say, well, I'm going to call so-and-so and I'm going to do so-and-so. But if it's so much better to have the time built into your week and say, I'm going to get up a little earlier on Sundays. I'm going to go to Wednesday night uh, church after I get off work. They've got food. I have no excuse at this point. And then I can get into the Word with my friends and build these family relationships. That is what builds unity. It doesn't happen by magic. It takes time. It takes commitment. It takes going through some conflict sometimes with people that you disagree with to build the relationships that matter. Very soon, we're going to have neighbors. And I think on some level, it scares Corey to death. <laughs> He's never had neighbors. That's right. In fact, um, a couple weeks ago, it's <laughs> a good one, Mike. A couple weeks ago, uh, I got to do something that no youth pastor can probably say that they did. Um, I was in my office just studying, you know, doing as I do. I had my coffee and was just getting into my Monday morning routine, and I get a call. Cameron, I killed a deer. Can you come help me drag it out of the woods? So I did it in my brand new pants. And about an hour later, he rolled up in his golf cart. He's like, are you ready? I'm like, right, yep, let's go. So, and we had to, like, forest, you know, our way through the woods and find it, make up our own trail kind of thing. And I was the only dead deer I've ever touched. And it might be the last one. <laughs> but I love Corey. He's a good pastor. He's a good leader. He's a good friend. And I can say that because we have that kind of relationship with each other. Where, yeah, No, it's not my job description to go drag deer out of the woods. <laughs> there is that little clause at the end that says, and whatever else the senior leadership asks you to do. Welcome to Jonesville. 
But he's my friend, and we have that kind of relationship because we've spent that time together, not just time in the office, but just time doing life together. Time spent uh, talking about family and talking about things that we've been through in our lives. Time spent doing Sunday morning and Wednesday night activities. Before I was leading my own Sunday school class, a lot of the ways that I got to know Corey was through his Sunday school class. And times have changed, and ministries have changed and evolved even since I've been here. But one of the core principles of our church is to create community in the same way that Jesus created community. And we can see as we've been studying through the book of Acts, these people could not, they could not get enough of Jesus. But more than that, they could get not get enough of being with each other. They needed that close tight community they were always together always getting into the scriptures always breaking bread together always praying for each other when one of them was persecuted the rest of them would show up and that is what was contagious to the rest of the world because no matter what happened you couldn't break it God had laid a foundation so strong based on his love, his sacrifice, his forgiveness, and a community built on that that the world couldn't compete. The Roman Empire fell and worshipped Jesus within 300 years. The Roman Empire that was persecuting and killing Christians, Nero, who was crucifying people in his garden to light it up at night, because he'd set them on fire too. That same empire worshipped Jesus just a couple centuries later. That is power. That is supernatural. That is contagious. And that is what will change our country. That is what will change our community if we'll commit to it. And we don't have to just write letters to all of the big pastors and all of the big politicians. We can start here in Newberry. More than that, we can start here at Jonesville Baptist Church, and we can continue to commit to each other. And it's why we've designed our ministries the way that we have, because we hope that you take advantage of more than just our 1015 worship service. We want you to get to know us in our Sunday morning groups, in our Wednesday night groups, and the ways that we serve. These are all opportunities for more than just knowing more about the Bible and more about God. God has also placed us together. You notice when Jesus said, love God and love people, he didn't just command you to do that. He actually commanded all of us to do that, which means I'm going to have a really hard time obeying Jesus if you won't let me into your life. Because I'm supposed to love you. And it's supposed to be real. And that requires more than just a surface relationship. Now, is it realistic for everyone in this room to have that kind of deep relationship with each other? You know, maybe not. It's going to look different between each of us. But I will say that no one ought to be left out. Whether you try to leave yourself out of the equation because you've been hurt, as I have been hurt, or if you feel like you're being ostracized from the rest of the group, Jonesville Baptist is not about that. Jonesville Baptist is, as its, at its core, one big family. And as we get neighbors... 
they're going to come and check us out. They're going to look at our sign. They're going to have some thoughts about us. And they're going to come inside, and they're going to see us. And are they going to see a bunch of people who just kind of show up at the same time every week? Or are they going to see a family that has a reunion every week, and it's pushing them to be friends? Why don't you join our family? Why don't you come have dinner with us on Wednesday night so that we can be together? I want to get to know you. Is that the kind of impact that we're going to have on our community? Because becoming one big family requires intentionality. It requires us to do it on purpose. It requires us to push past the hurts that we've acquired, the insecurities that maybe we grew up with, and say, God is bigger than that. God is doing something in my life. God is doing something in the life of the church. And I'm going to be a part of that. I'm going to become a part of the family. I'm not just going to be kind of in, but I'm going to be all the way in. Because as God has expressed himself through Scripture, he works through the church. And it requires us to be of one mind, to be in complete unity, as Jesus said. And this teaching, I'll admit, It's simple, but it's difficult. And a lot of what Jesus said is simple, but it's difficult because it goes against our nature. Our flesh pushes against us. Satan fights us on it. The world says this is stupid. But it can't be defeated because God is behind it. And he said, until Jesus comes back, the church under his name and lordship will never die. But that doesn't mean we get to just sit back and let God do his thing. We got to join in the mission. And it requires us to love him by getting to know him and love him best by loving the people around us and being that light in the community that he's designed us to be. My challenge to you this week is if you are not currently involved in more of our ministries and groups, now is your chance. If you're new or you've been here a little bit, or maybe you've been here a while and and you're just uncertain about going deeper and connecting with us in that way, my encouragement to you is it will be less intimidating if you go ahead and make that choice. If you give it a try, give it a couple weeks. And see what God does in your life. See how not intimidating it it really is once you get to know people. Because everyone in this room either has Jesus as their Lord and Savior or is curious about Jesus. And everyone in this room who is in those two categories, well, you ought to be in some of these groups. They will help you. we got people here who will love on you who will model for you how you ought to love people yourself. And that's what this mission is about. That's what we ought to be doing. My encouragement to you is to go ahead and try that. And for those of you who are deeply connected, pray for our brothers and sisters who are scared and be sympathetic to what they're going through. Because church hurt is a big deal. It happens. Because insecurity is a big deal, and we all have them. Pray that 
they would be able to have the courage that they need to move forward, to join us and to be connected, and to make our impact on our community that much bigger. As we pray this morning, I want you to search your heart and, and figure out where you're at. Maybe you're one of these people that you have a hard time joining. Maybe you're worried that you'll get hurt again. I understand. I was there. That's a story for another time, and it's a long one, but I've been there. Maybe you're one of those where maybe you find yourself more on the judgmental side. Like, why can't they just get involved? You need prayer too. Because Jesus even grabbed the insecure people, and it took him time to get their attention, but when he did, their whole life turned upside down. But his goal for our church is for a deeply connected people to make a big impact on our community, and it starts right here at Jonesville. Let's pray as our band comes forward. Dear God, thank you for being who you are. You are great, and you love us, and you show us how to love. Help us, Lord, this morning to be honest as we pray, to search our hearts to determine where we're at, and that you would help us to be encouragers of those who need to be more connected, to be prayer warriors for them, that we would be more compassionate and less judgmental when some people have a hard time stepping forward. Lord, I pray that you would move hearts and you would change minds this morning, that for those who are here that uh, do not trust you as their Savior, do not follow you, I pray that that would change today. As we sing, Lord, I just pray that your name would be blessed and that the words that come out of our mouths, we'd be pointing them directly to heaven and have them be more than just words on the screen because you are worth it. You are worth it all, and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.